0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, July 6, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. As if most occupational licensing weren't bad enough, appointees to the boards that regulate those professions are often limited to a list provided by dominant players in the industry. And that has effects that are more pernicious than you might initially think. Daniel Dew directs legal policy at the Pacific Legal Foundation. We spoke in May. There are a lot of occupations that are licensed. Uh, We can argue about whether many of them, maybe all of them, should uh, have a government permission slip in order to operate within certain fields. But to the extent that we have licensing uh, authorities
1: within states, who typically staffs the licensing authority? Yeah. In states across the country, it's usually the governor who appoints members of the licensing board. Um, That way they they can carry out... The, the governor's policy positions. The governor is the chief executive of the state. And so we want them to be able to carry out their policy and be the head of the executive branch.
0: So he chooses people to sit on a board, but in order for a board to properly regulate, I know, like when people are critical of uh, people who move directly out of like a federal regulatory agency and directly into industry or vice versa, um, I, I always think, well, that's not really fair. I mean, these people have expertise that would be helpful I, moving both directions. So you would expect that some people on a board would be in that industry, making
1: determinations about who it, who is appropriate to have a license. That's fair, isn't it? I mean, sure, you would want somebody with some knowledge of what the the board is actually. Uh, governing, uh, to make those kind of decisions, the issue arises when governors are limited in who they can appoint to to a licensing
0: board. Okay. So wh- how do those limits come into effect? What does it look like in many states when, they're, when we're trying to choose who will be the ultimate regulators of an industry?
1: Sure. So this issue came up um, a few months ago. Governor Stitt in Oklahoma is actually the one who brought it to our attention, that in in many states, the governor is limited in who they can appoint. Not only are there qualification limits. So, you know, if it's a nursing board, you know, maybe you want people who are licensed to be nurses serving on that board. The real issue arises, though, when the governor is limited by the special interest group itself, who's who is being uh, regulated. So, for example, in Oklahoma, the governor was limited and had to choose somebody that was on a list from the Oklahoma Nurses Association. And that's by statute. By statute. So this organization, which is,
0: you know, a nurses association, that's a lobbying group. Yes. Um, In addition to being a group that, you know, performs various services for people who are nurses and that sort of thing. um, But to the extent that they are in charge of limiting the range of people who can serve on a regulatory board. What impact does that have?
1: Well, I think it cuts both ways. So first, it allows them to limit who can practice within uh, the nursing, who can obtain a license so they can, they can capture the industry that way. Um, a lot of times they have a lot of input on what scope of practice looks like. So if they can, uh, what what actually qualifies as nursing? What do you need a license to uh, to do? But also, I think it goes the other way as well. So, if you have a, a governor who's really worried about uh, health and and standards and and what uh, what the nurses are being accountable held accountable for, you know the the Oklahoma Nurses Association they're there to protect nurses, not necessarily to protect the health care uh, or the health and well-being of Oklahomans or or whatever state you may be in. How many states have uh, this cozy arrangement? At least 13. We're still digging into numbers and, and looking at different licensed uh, occupations, but at least 13 do that we know of. As you mentioned, a lot of what's involved here isn't just, you know, who
0: can cut hair or who can arrange flowers or who can... <laughs> move move people's belongings from one place to another um, public health is implicated pretty strongly and we've seen in the last couple of years that the consequences
1: of getting those kinds of decisions wrong can be quite dire oh absolutely and and especially as you're having states move these crazy laws that that would allow uh boards to to censure or or punish um licensed members for misinformation or disinformation, and, and they're the arbiters of, of what is true and not true in that sense. So it, it really is dangerous to, to allow that kind of regulatory capture.
0: I can imagine that states that have licensing boards for, let's, let's stick with nurses, uh, I can imagine states having a wide variety of different requirements for what constitutes a person who can serve in the field? Uh, do states really care about what other states are doing? Because I could, Im- I I would imagine that you would th- you could learn some things about uh, increasing your pool of qualified candidates without risking public health and safety if you uh, adopt some of their measures.
1: Yeah, I think states are looking at each other more and more for what. Qualifications there should be for occupational licensing, um, especially as there's the huge movement for occupational licensing reform, um, removing barriers for people that may have uh, a criminal history or even the the number of hours that are required to get certain licenses. It seems
0: odd that you know you you teed it up pretty well at the beginning, which is the governor is the chief executive of a state or commonwealth, and um, You would expect him or her to have a very particular set of ideas about what they want to accomplish. And to the extent that there is a workforce that is hemmed in by a licensing board. And again, we can argue about whether that's legitimate or not. If his nominees to that board are limited by statute to the preferences of the existing lobbying arm for that industry, well, how much can
1: he do in that uh, area? Exactly. Accountability is key in in our form of government. And if a governor is limited in who, who he or she can appoint to a board, they can't appoint people who are going to fulfill their policy goals. If a governor comes in with, with occupational licensing reform as a goal, or even, um, Or even amplifying public health and wanting to hold people to a higher standard, a certain profession to a a higher standard, he or she can't do that because they're limited to appoint people who are only uh, who are associated with these these lobbying groups. And, and, you know, to the extent
0: that there are matters of controversy uh, related to uh, licensing, Uh, for example, if somebody were on a licensing board who thought the licensing board ought to be abolished or uh, had interests more aligned with what the governor's interests might be, which is public health, public safety, uh, a flourishing economy, that sort of thing, uh, that person has no chance to be on that board. And you would hope that a licensing board on
1: some matters would be quite adversarial among among themselves. Absolutely. You want, you want that kind of debate. You want the the whole purpose of, of having these people who are supposed to be experts or, or, uh, have some kind of expertise in these fields is so that they can, they can debate it out. They can talk it out and come to the best possible decision. And, you know, if, if you are just putting a bunch of people with like minds and, and from the same place and, and are, beholden to the same special interests, then you're not going to get that kind of diversity of thought.
0: You mentioned that there were just 13 states that you know about so far that have this basic, cozy arrangement. Um, what does reform look like for those? Assuming we've decided that this board is legitimate, it has a legitimate function, its, it's performance of its duties actually does enhance public health and public safety uh, and is not... You know, creating rents for participants in that industry. What does reform look like to get to a, a a better state?
1: Yeah. So reform in this area is is pretty simple. It's it's taking out a big eraser or, or a big pen and 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 crossing out sections of code where it delegates that that uh, slate making authority to to special interests. That's that's really what reform looks like. Um, but but to your point. Yeah, it's a big assumption that a lot of these occupational licensing boards are needed. I was going to
0: say that, you know, to the extent that the Bar Association, for example, uh, they have, uh, some public duties, essentially, right? They're deciding in many cases who may stand in front of a judge on behalf of someone else and argue a case. Um, you know, you give, you give these outside Agencies. This is me calling for government to do more, believe it or not. Uh, you're delegating what should be a government function to a private group. Uh, what, what we all agree should be a government function. Uh, so does that open these
1: groups up to, uh, any kind of liability at all? I don't think it it technically opens them up to any kind of liability. It might but... protect them from liability <laughs> <laughs> well, right, because who's who's making the decisions though? and that's that's part of the problem, right? yeah, i'm I'm glad you brought up the bar Association because this scheme is pretty analogous to what's known as the Missouri plan when it comes to picking judges for state supreme courts, whereby uh, the the power to appoint is given to the governor but the governor is really limited by uh, who he or she can pick to a slate of people that have been approved by the state's bar association. And so, you know, that bar association, depending on its leadership may have a particular slant in, in its uh, philosophical uh, uh, reasoning and, and really it's politics. And so you can have a, a very conservative state or, uh, with a conservative governor who is limited in point, appointing very liberal judges to the Supreme Court, because that's who the bar association gives to the governor. At Pacific Legal Foundation, two of our primary focus areas: one is the separation of powers, and and the other is equality and opportunity. And this issue really hits on both of those things. It's a separation of powers issue because the governor. Uh, who is the chief executive is abdicated from re- responsibility, is, doesn't have that executive accountability in place that's required by the separation of powers for people who are working within the executive branch. But it's also an, an opportunity issue because it's just placing another barrier to entry. It's regulatory capture. It's It's keeping people out of the marketplace who otherwise could perform those functions Perfectly well. Daniel
0: Dew directs legal policy at the Pacific Legal Foundation. We spoke in May. Subscribe to and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.